Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're continuing learning Mishnah Shkalem at Perik Dalit, Mishnah Ches, and Mishnah Tes, finishing the Perik, and also finishing this concept of Hamaktish, which has been a little bit of a complicated area. Hamaktish is talking about who, Behem Dvarm, Ruinel A person says, All my items are consecrated, and among them are things that are, are able and fit to be brought on the altar. As we said yesterday, if you're Maktish, you say something is sanctified, it go and it, it goes to bed, it the upkeep of the house. It cannot be used, therefore, for things that are going on the Mizbeach. And here a person just says, Stam, Amakdish. Doesn't specify what it's for, but among his things are Yeno, Shmenim, Ofos, wines, oils, and birds. All these are that are fit to be brought on the Mizbeach. Rabbi Lezer Omer, Osamin. They should be sold to those who need them for their offering. If someone, let's say, needs oil for his offering or needs wine for his offering, sell to them. And this way it will be offered on the altar. And with that money, they should buy Ola offerings. And the rest of his, his, his items should be used, uh, excuse me, should be used for the upkeep of the house. Okay. Says the Mishnah, Mishnah Tess. The, the temple, as you probably have started to see, there was an administrator in the temple, and they had to engage and create contracts in order to purchase all the various items that are needed. Sometimes they had long-term contracts, and sometimes they had short-term. Every 30 days, they would set the prices for buying wine, oil, and the and the flour from the, with the treasury funds. And they'd go and they'd find a buyer, and for, they'd purchase from them, give them a contract for 30 days. However, it was also possible that they can engage in a long-term contract, as in the, in the beginning of the season. Now, if you decide you want to engage in a long-term contract and you're all happy you, you win it, there are certain rules that are set aside and all of them are, are slanted and in favor of the temple, not in favor of you. If a person accepts upon themselves to be the supplier, the long-term supplier for the, let's say, fine flour, and you and you do it at a rate of four saw for one sella, which is approximately... Excuse me, it's four at four saw flowers is one cella. And then let's say the uh, inflation and COVID and bottlenecks and all the other things they tell us. And the price of flour goes up, and now it's three saw for a cella. So previously, for $2, you can buy a dozen eggs. Now, for $20, you can get two eggs. What do you do? So can you, can the person say, look, I'm going to renegotiate? And the answer is no. He still has to supply with what he initially agreed upon. As in, if you agreed that one seller buys four soft flour, so even now if one seller only buys three soft flour in, in, in the shop right, in the supermarket, well, you still have to supply it at one seller for four saw. That, that's what you agreed upon. Now, what happens if it's the opposite? What if the price of flour was three saw to seller, and then it goes down? Meaning to say, now with... With uh, one cell, you can actually buy four saw in the in the marketplace. The prices come down. He still he now has to go and supply the temple at the lower rate. Because we always say the temple always has the upper hand in contracts, as if to say uh, the, the temple can say if the prices ever go up, you, the, the temple retains its initial price they agreed upon. And the price ever goes down, then the temple can say we're renegotiating. And that is because you have the, you who are the farmer or the supplier always are on the lower end. And the reason for that, there are, well, there are a couple of reasons for that. It is one of them is that in general, when it comes to a contract, there's uh, you're, you're always able to renege from a contract. Sometimes you lose out. Here, the temple can renege, but he, we still say they don't lose out, and that's one of the prerogative of the temple. And I guess it's also it's your zechus that you are uh, able to, it's your merit that you're supplying the temple, and it comes to the loss. Vim his sila solo Let it. Let's say the flower becomes wormy, and therefore it's no longer able to be used. Then, then the owner, as in the seller, incurs that loss. 
Similarly, if the wine becomes unusable, so then it's on the seller as well. It comes out of his pocket. Lastly, we say, because the seller does not receive full possession of the money until the supplies are used. Meaning to say that even though the temple, let's say they, they sign a contract and the guy gives him 100 the Gizbar, the administrator gives him $100 for the flower, so long as the... Now, over the course of the year, the or the season, the temple doesn't receive the flower, even though the supplier received the money, it's not considered his money, and therefore, if anything goes wrong, the temple can claw back its money. I wish you all a wonderful day.